Listener supported. WNYC Studios. From WNYC Studios, I'm Brian Lehrer. This is my Daily Politics Podcast. It's Thursday, September 21st. Day 5 of Climate Week NYC, time to coincide with world leaders gathering here for the annual UN General Assembly and the UN's Climate Ambition Summit, which took place yesterday. The Brian Lehrer Show, as some of you know, is doing a segment every day this week for Climate Week NYC in conjunction with Covering Climate Now, the media collaboration that includes this show and WNYC. Covering Climate Now also announced its 2023 Journalism Award winners, Those uh, awards recognize outstanding coverage of the climate emergency and its solutions. We're having the winners on on various programs uh, of ours on this show this week. And today in this series, we'll turn to a new powerful tool that activists are using to try to mitigate the impact of climate change and hold governments and private companies accountable, the law. On this show, again, as some of you know, we've covered a landmark climate case from Montana recently where a judge decided that that state has to take into account climate change impacts whenever it weighs future fossil fuel projects and how it may provide a roadmap for climate change law in New York State, too. And in California, a major oil-producing state and the fifth-largest economy in the world. On Friday, they became the first oil-producing state. And you don't think about California necessarily as an oil-producing state like you might think of Montana or Alaska or somewhere, but they are. And California, as of Friday, became the first oil-producing state to file suit against five major oil companies for knowing and then lying about how the fact that their products cause climate change affects the world. But these types of climate lawsuits are happening all over the world, and that's part of what we're going to draw attention to now. They're happening in the UK. They're happening in the Netherlands. They're happening in Brazil. They're happening in Pakistan. Amanda Burl, executive producer and correspondent for Al Jazeera English, their series Earthrise, explored some of these lawsuits and their global implications in her series last year. It won the 2023 Special Honors for Covering Climate Now's Journalism Awards in the Solutions Stories of the Year category. The Case for the Climate is the first episode of a four-part series which looked at how the law, business, and faith are being used to force, encourage, and inspire the systemic changes which are so desperately needed to counter climate change for today and for the next generations to come. And she joins us now. Amanda, welcome to WNYC, and congratulations on your distinction in this year's Covering Climate Now Journalism Awards. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. And I will tell the listeners that in this episode, you begin in the United Kingdom, where three NGOs, non-governmental organizations, Friends of the Earth, Client Earth, and the Good Law Project bring a case against the government for allegedly violating its own net zero strategy. First, for listeners who may not be familiar, can you talk about the UK's Climate Change Act and why it's a big deal? Absolutely. Well, it was the first Climate Change Act passed um, in in a, a country in, in any country in the world, which it was in 2008. It was passed almost unanimously cross-party, and it was the first to enshrine a commitment to reduce emissions in national law. 
Um, it was updated by Theresa May, Prime Minister Theresa May in 2019 to, um, to raise the target to net zero by 2050. So it means that the, the getting to net zero by 2050 is, is now a, a matter of law. It, the, the UK governments have to follow the law and must bring emissions down. Um, the thing is, of course, that um, the law is there, but the government needs to keep on track. And as part of that law, a climate change committee was set up to monitor the gov government's targets, every five yearly targets that the government had to prove, in which government had to sort of state how they were going to bring emissions down and what targets they were aiming for within those five years. But um, these organisations who brought the case um, uh, proved in court that the government was off track with its targets and therefore was failing on its mission, on its legal duty to reach net zero by 2050. And so let's listen to a clip from the episode. I want our listeners to hear this. You speak with David Wolfe Casey, who represents the Friends of the Earth. That's the UK's largest climate grassroots network that's taking the country and companies to court. Here's 20 seconds of what he had to say about the lawsuit against the government. This is the UK's bit of something which is absolutely enormous. What's really at stake here is whether the government in this country and elsewhere around the world actually takes the action that needs to be taken now to tackle climate change. We talk about net zero in 2050, but to bring about net zero in 2050, things have to happen now. David Wolfe, KC. I think the initials KC stand for King's Council. That's like a lawyer designation in the United Kingdom. Uh, so talk about that clip. What did the NGOs argue and how far did they get? Well, they argued that the the steps which were laid out in the government's net zero strategy did would not get the country to um, to net zero by 2050, and actually failed to deliver on the upcoming carbon budgets for the um, in the 2030 in 2035, um, and they they won. The judge um, it was a two day hearing. The judge went and went and considered the case for two months, came back and agreed. Um, that the the government needed to do more and therefore had to go back to the drawing board and to rewrite its net zero strategy. This is as I've been blown off, blown out of, out of out of the court, if you like, um, by the recent recent statement by Prime Minister Rishi Sunak that he's actually um, pulling back on on some of the the steps that were going to be taken to reach net zero, for example, um, the banning of diesel and petrol cars and um, Friends of the Earth are, are now going to go back to court. Um, they're, they're preparing to have to go back to court again to make sure that the government does stick to, to its legal commitments. Why did uh, the prime minister go back on that? Do you know his rationale? <laughs> Why did he? Well, I mean, I think it's um, it's a very good example of how um, uh, my understanding of it, or my perception of it, is is it, it's a it's a way of distinguishing himself from from the Labour Party, the opposition party, as the as national elections approach next year. Um, and it is a very good example of the short termism of the political system, which means that um, that political leaders want to stay in power to the, to the next election. Um, and a very and is 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 a very key reason why it's so important to get commitments to net zero, commitments to reduce emissions, um, enshrined in law in order to hold politi politicians to a long term view rather than um, 
playing to what what they see is going to be a popular a popular move in order to win votes. Yeah, that sounds related to a thing we've been covering on the show happening in the United States right now with the United Auto Workers strike, where Democrats are saying, yeah, there's too much greed at the corporate level. They should be sharing their profits more with the workers. And Republicans are saying, no, the real issue is the transition to electric vehicles that the Biden administration is encouraging with incentives and requirements. And that's what ca- what's causing these auto companies um, to have trouble with the workers. So that same kind of division, I realize it's not exactly the same expression of it, but targeting the EVs uh, for a backlash by conservative po- uh, party politician or conservative-leaning politicians in both countries. So back to your episode, you then head to the Netherlands, where activists are using existing civil and human rights laws to force not only the state but an energy giant to reduce emissions. Can you talk about the case against the state and what precedents it set? This might be new to our listeners, you, using human rights laws to attack climate emissions. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, it was it was started by a woman called Marianne Minesmo, who, who runs a cooperative called Agenda that set out to 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 scale up climate solutions uh, and after several years she realized that the you know, the solutions are great but without the systems changing uh, they're effectively a drop in the ocean the systems need to support them um so she she spoke to the government about this and and the the netherlands government at that time had had said that it was going to reduce emissions but was not reaching its targets so um in order to try and force change, she decided to take the government to court. Um, she'd come across this book by a very visionary lawyer called Rohe Cox, called Revolution Justified, which used the concepts of civil law, of duty of care, um, and also human rights, um, which, which conceived a way in which these principles could be used to hold polluters to account. So the agenda case against the Dutch government was actually the first time that these principles, that that this idea was tried in court. Um, And in 2015, uh, the court ruled in favour of agenda. It said that the Dutch government had to reduce its emissions by 25 percent by 2020. Um, The government appealed. They appealed two times. And finally, in the end, um, the agenda won. Uh, and the, the, the different stages of the case that the first hearing, it was a duty of care, which was which won the day. Um, and then in the second and third hearings, a, a principle which actually had been dismissed in the first hearing was 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 used, which was was human rights, saying that in abandoning its duty of care, duty of care being the, uh, the idea that um, if there is if there's a danger present, um, to one party and another party is aware of the danger but fails to take the action to prevent the danger, then they are they are abrogating their duty, they're, they're, they're um, failing to deliver on their duty of care. Um, and in in doing this, the they were the Dutch government was therefore um not delivering on its duty of on, on human rights for um, is our, our European um, uh, Article on Human Rights, European Convention of Human Rights, Articles two and eight, which were the right to life and the right to private life, um, and the and therefore the um, the Dutch government was in breach of its human rights commitments to its people for not reducing emissions and averting climate change. 
That's so interesting. Has that suit been resolved one way or the other yet? It has, absolutely. The final judgment was passed in 2019. And the really exciting thing is that that, um, that judgment, um, that victory has inspired other activists, other citizens around the world to take out cases against their states as well. So we know of, um, I think it now it's now around 70. Last year it was around 80. Last year it was 70. Now I, I understand there's around 80 cases around the world which have been inspired by the agenda victory. So interesting and so relatively unknown in the United States. I'm so glad you reported on this and that we could spotlight it a little bit. Staying in the Netherlands, you spoke to Dutch lawyer Roger Cox, who wrote a book called Revolution Justified, which you say inspired these activists to go after the country. Uh, We're going to play about a 30-second clip with what he told you about his take on how the judiciary is the last hope for change. And listeners, this begins with Amanda's voice and then goes into Roger Cox. Meeting the targets ratified by the Paris Agreement in 2015, a 45% reduction in emissions by 2030 and net zero by 2050 seem ever further away. The consequences of dangerous climate change will be such that nobody can escape it and that it will be the, the, the largest human rights violation that we've ever witnessed in the world for eternity, because there's no way back once we reach certain tipping points. So then the question arises, what does this mean for private entities like uh, oil, gas and coal companies? And so, as I understand it, the activists then went on to tackle a major oil company and try to order the energy giant Royal Dutch Shell to slash its emissions. What were their arguments and were they successful against the company as I think you were describing they were successful against the government? Yeah, well, it was a different group of activists. So Agenda brought the case against the Dutch state. And then against Royal Dutch Shell, uh, it was Milieu de Fancy, which is the, the Dutch arm of Friends of the Earth. And But it wasn't just them. They were actually joined by 17,000 co-plaintiffs. And I think that's one of the really exciting things about these types of cases, is that they can become a way for citizens, many citizens, to 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 take action against against corporations and their governments. So they, um, Roger Cox was the, the, the main lawyer in both the agenda case and also the milieu defense case against Shell. And he used the same arguments. So when the court did rule in favor of milieu defense, they found that Shell was um, was breaching uh, its duty of care and was and also the the European Convention of Human Rights articles two and eight. So the same principles that won against the Dutch government also won against Shell. Um, the thing is that Shell is appealing now. Um, the the appeal hearing will take place in April next year. Uh, the lawyers of Milia Defence's lawyers are absolutely confident that they will win, um, and it will be very interesting to see what happens. When I think Bill in Beacon, New York, has a question about this Dutch example. Bill, you're on WNYC. Hi. Hi. Um, given the seriousness of this decades-long crime of covering up the climate consequences of fossil fuels, I'm wondering if any of these suits will result in the imprisoning of any of the people who participated in depriving people of their rights. Interesting question. And I have a follow-up question to that because I think that 
the way Bill characterized what the oil companies have been doing will remind people of the old lawsuits against the tobacco companies. But we'll get to that. His question is, is is anybody uh, potentially going to go to prison with these successful outcomes in court by the environmentalists? Mm, that's an interesting question. I and mean, at the moment, the the cases that are being brought are very much against the companies, against specific individuals. There is a new trend, which is um, to to bring cases against directors of uh, of big oil companies. Um, there was one actually brought by an organisation, an environmental law charity called Climate uh, called Client Earth in Britain, against the directors of Shell. But it was the judge said this this can't be actually assessed in the court because. Um, the the issue of, of climate change is so complex, it can't be placed on one individual's shoulders. Um, so it doesn't mean that it won't happen, but it means that it's sort of the it's it's the next step in the process. And one more clip from your series. You spoke with Catherine Hyham, a policy analyst at the London School of Economics. I don't know if I'm saying her name right, uh, but nevertheless, she authors an annual report on exactly this, climate litigation trends. So here's a 45-second clip of what she had to tell you about those. We've seen kind of exponential growth over time. And we see two new trends that are really important. One is cases that follow in the footsteps of Milia de Fonsi and Shell and look at what a company has to do now in the face of the current scientific evidence and the other is about greenwashing. So companies setting net zero emissions targets, but having no credible plans to meet them. So here's the Netherlands, so where the agenda case was won. Have you seen any impact of that case? Absolutely. The agenda case is one that has sparked more than 70 cases filed in countries around the world um, that are challenging governments on a similar basis. 70, gosh, that's a lot. It is a lot. Yeah, it's a huge proportion of the, of the overall number. 70 cases inspired by the one in the Netherlands against Royal Dutch Shell that we've been talking about in this segment. As we start to run out of time, Amanda, you want to give one other example of your choice from those 70? I know you report on uh, litigation in Brazil, litigation in, in Pakistan. Pick any one. Um, it was actually the, the 70 cases, just to be clear, were in response to agenda. So the the case which um, was against the the state so there are 70, I think it is actually now 80 cases of citizens putting pressure on their governments through the courts. So, for example, in, in Colombia, um, young people won a lawsuit against the Colombian government um, and they claimed that climate change threatened their fundamental rights. And they won. And I think one of the things that's really interesting about that is that they said that the government actually violated their rights for, and those of future generations by not doing enough to combat deforestation in the Amazon. Um, and so the, the Supreme Court ordered the government to, um, to take action to, to reduce emissions and also to address deforestation in the Amazon. Well, we will leave it there for today, today's installment of our Climate Week NYC series. In conjunction with the group covering Climate Now, we will do one final episode in this city in this series tomorrow with one more Covering Climate Now Journalism Award winner for 23, 2023, my guest, 
for this conversation has been Amanda Burrell, executive producer and correspondent for Al Jazeera English, their series Earthrise. Thanks so much for coming on uh, once again, and congratulations again on your distinction in this year's Covering Climate Now Journalism Awards and for shedding light on this apparently very productive front, at least it's um, beginning to be productive, litigation on human rights and other grounds um, to stop climate pollution. Thank you so much for your reporting. My pleasure. Thank you very much indeed. Brian Lehrer, A Daily Politics Podcast, is an excerpt from my live daily radio show, The Brian Lehrer Show, on WNYC Radio, 10 a.m. to noon Eastern Time, if you want to listen live at WNYC.org. Thanks for listening today. Talk to you next time.